Today we have my real friend, Reginald Petty, Reggie, from East St. Louis, who was the Peace Corps uh, director of a number of, a number of countries, right? Four. Four countries. Yeah. And worked uh, all over Africa and in the United States, making the world a better place. So I'd like to welcome you, Reg, to our new podcast. It's called Bring Peace Now. And you were the first assistant director of Peace Corps in Burkina, in Upper Volta. And Tom exactly. Fox was the director. Exactly. And then you became director. When I, when I had proposed the project to document the music and oral traditions of the peoples of the Republic of Upper Volta. Today we have Reginald Petty, uh, who was in Peace Corps and many other activities. And before that. When I, before I came to uh, Burkina Faso, um, I had uh, worked with the civil rights movement in the South with uh, Martin Luther King and others. And, um, and also in Chicago, there used to be an organization called the African-American Heritage Association. And uh, it was again, an early civil rights group. And uh, our goal at that, at that time was to, um, I guess, to, to improve human rights for everybody in the world at that time. And uh, we had, I had met with uh, people such as um, uh, Lamumba and uh, Castro and uh, just a number of people and uh, was one of the early people with uh, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee in Mississippi. And I had uh, a number of arrests just trying to work to uh, register people to vote out of Jackson, Mississippi. And I remember when I first, I was contacted by one of, one of the Kennedys um, about going to Africa when Peace Corps was, was being started. And uh, so I was told about the possibility of uh, going to Burkina Faso. And, and, um, and I just was, fell in love with the idea of I've always wanted to go to Africa. And uh, so going over there was just an unbelievable experience. And when I met the people like, like, um, like Rosalini and, and others who were just a special group of people, all of them were sincerely concerned about human beings, about people. And uh, so, um, and Jim was the key, per key person who learned the language and was really concerned about learning the, the history of, of where he was living at that time and uh, was the historian of, of Peace Corps at that time. And I'm not, I'm not, and I'm talking about more than uh, Burkina Faso. He may not know that, but uh, uh, in terms of who followed up on their knowledge uh, that they had learned in the country in Peace Corps, Jim was the one who followed that up who brought that back to the United States. I've been concerned 
over the years that the information that he had, that the information that he's just recorded to you um, should be in every school system in the United States, that this information um, should be a part of, of the uh, sociology or, and uh, just the basic history. So I think it's that critical that uh, we learned and make use of the history that, that has taken place hundreds of years and probably thousands of years in Africa. And, but we also often don't think about that. We think of more of the, the European history, Rome or Greece, but not the fact that so much of the history, the critical history of life and how one lives and uh, is knowledge that, that is from Africa. And uh, so I just, they just, I could just talk for you for years and years <laughs> actually, uh, about uh, what I learned in, uh, in Africa and uh, just how critical that information is to, um, to the improvement of, of life uh, on this planet. Uh, for example, I know Jim didn't mention the importance of, of climate, of, 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 of how, the, how, the, how the Africans, uh, certainly in Burkina Faso, how they reacted when there when there was a rain, uh, when it started to rain, <laughs> and and the understanding of the critical nature of the climate, um, of the um, of, of of how to grow millets, <laughs> just the growth of, of of things like this, and uh, and I remember, um, and I'm sure you remember too, when we first got there, the uh, U.S. government. Uh, had um, had had were, 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 had sent some people over to plow. <laughs> they were, and they didn't know about um, the, the the soil <laughs> that when you turn it over, it just becomes rock. <laughs> it was a laterite? Laterite, I think, was the term. The sun ruins the. In a short time, it ruins the 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 the, the, the soil. The top exactly. But this was the AID people at the time, and the Americans thought that this is what you, you should do. And I remember also they had sent some people up. We sent some people up in the northern part of Burkina Faso about the, uh, uh, was it the fleas? No, the um, insects. Mosquitoes? Was, yeah, mosquitoes. That they were doing something, and uh, they sent some, uh, some uh, uh, spray up to... Uh, to the people in the north, toxic chemical. You, exactly, and didn't know that every year the uh, the people in that area took the cattle into the deserts, which kill all of the, uh, the insects. Yeah, and uh, but just this this kind of idiocy that um, that we thought were, were the geniuses, as we thought we knew what we were doing. And this were things that the uh, Mosi had been doing for thousands of years. They knew how to do, how to handle this stuff. But anyway, this is just the um, the information that I learned that when you go into a place uh, new, you better learn what they know <laughs> before you start uh, injecting your. <laughs> 
Thank you. Your, your ideas. You know that I, I, I think I mentioned this earlier, but uh, Jim is living his life out in London doing lectures. Oh, no, this I, is Pale. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I've taken the African name since 89 officially that it was given to me in 68. I decided I didn't want to have two different names, so I just made it official. And so it's Tala Lafi Rosalini. That's my whole name. Tala, Tala Lafi Rosalini. And this, this podcast that you're on is called Bring Peace Now. And Tala Lafi, Tale, one of the meanings of Tale is bring. So I added the middle word, Lafi, because Lafi means peace, health, and tranquility. So that's the name of the podcast is Bring Peace. Now, yeah, and that's my name, Talafi. And if you say now in Morde, they say Mamaha out in Kupela, in Wagadugu, they say Mas Masa. There you have it. So that's are, that's you, are you are you doing uh, are you making yourself available to, for workshops for uh, you know for you know you know for the younger civil rights groups. Well, I'm open to it. Absolutely. I, this podcast is all about that. It's all about educating, sharing knowledge all over the world. We've got the internet. We, we, we're going worldwide now with this. Okay. What we're doing right now can be, can be watched on eventually. I'm going to put it up on platforms that where you can check it out. I just started this okay. um, this week, actually. It's one of the first podcasts we're doing right now is with you, Reg. Because I know the importance. It's so Im critical that people hear from you. Okay. I did an interview yesterday with Manju Kone. And I met her dad in 68. The first year I was in Africa. I met her, her uncle, Bakari. And then Bakari mentioned his brother. And I, I met him, met the two brothers, Dukutigi and Jerry. You may remember these three brothers that played Bala, Xylophone. Yeah, yeah I do. I remember and, and them. Yeah. And Dundun and Tama. They're incredible singers from, from rural, a small village in Mali that they had fled in 67. The same year that we arrived in Africa, they had fled their village and came down to Ouagadougou to, get, to, make, to make a living as musicians. They are griot. They are the jeli. Jeli is the word in Jula or in Bamanaka, the language of the Bambara people, yes, meaning yes. griot. And they are the carriers of the oral history, the carriers of the history of the people. And they sing the history of the people. And so yesterday I did an interview with the, the daughter, the first girl in the, in the family of the three brothers. She was the, the first girl in the family. There are three boys that were born before her. Two of Bakari's, Khalifa and Kemogo, and then Mar Madu or Mamadou, he, he changed it to Ma Mamadou later, was a, a few months younger than Khalifa. And uh, Khalifa passed away about 10 years ago. He had an asthmatic attack in, in Paris, but maybe 15 years ago. Terrible, terrible. He was the real spirit of. His family, Bakari's family, he was an amazing guy. He's in, our, he's in our film, Great, Great, Great Grandparents Music. So we filmed Manju 
when seven days after she was born, we filmed the name giving celebration, the, the celebration of her arrival into life. And here she was yesterday speaking a podcast. She was phenomenal. She speaks fluent English now. She's been living in the States. She speaks French. She speaks five African languages. She sings in five languages. Wow. Bwamu, her yeah, native tongue, her parents' language is of the Bwaba people. They, they speak Bwamu. She's, she's fluent in Jula, which is the one of the biggest languages in West Africa. Yeah. Uh, a trade language. Jula means in Bamanaka, the language of the of, of the Bambara people, it means merchant because it is the trade language of of the it's the biggest trade language of West Africa outside of Nigeria. In Nigeria it would be Hausa. Hausa. And all throughout much of Africa, it's Hausa is the Hausa. big language. Yeah. Uh, like Kiswahili is to East Africa. Hausa is to West, and actually Hausa is spoken all over 25, at least 25 nations of the 54 nations of Africa. Fufude is spoken by 29, in 29 countries. That's the largest pastoral community in the history of humanity. Did you know that, Reg? No, I did not know that. The Fulbe people, and their language is Fulfulde. It's probably one of the most widely spoken languages in terms of area of Africa is Fulfulde as an African language. From Senegal and Gambia in the island of Goree off the coast of Senegal all the way to Ethiopia and Eritrea and Tanzania and Uganda and Kenya and Sudan, you can find people who speak Fulfulde. The, the Fulbe people live there as well. It's not just West Africa. All the countries of West Africa you'll find Fulbe and Hausa speakers and Jula speakers. So those are the three, three of the, the largest lang spoken languages in West Africa and Africa. And also Yoruba is huge and Igbo. And there are other languages like Kanuri and um, Zerma. Um, those are big languages as well. But anyway. There's one person I certainly would like for you to meet. He was the first um, Peace Corps uh, volunteer in Mali, uh huh, and um, he lives in St. Louis now. He's from really? uh, New York, but I'd like for you to meet him. He, was, sure. he and he and his wife were volunteers. At, wow! <laughs> in Mali, wow! And uh, he uh, he has one of the largest uh, uh, community development organizations, well, probably the largest in St. Louis. Wow! And he's just retired about six months ago. And you're in East St. Louis, and you're that's I mean, your, your your roots, right? Right, yeah. And uh, but um, he um, he often talks about uh, his experience in in, uh, in 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 Mali, and and I remember talking to him about the um, seeing the caves in in Mali. The um, what's the what's the group? Cliffs. The, the, the yeah. cliffs of, of Banjagra. Yeah, the, and, the Dogo uh, man. Who knew astronomy with their name? Right, astronomy and stuff, and I was just like, "Wow!" Yeah. You know, hear these stars and stuff, and sure. you know, and um, the Dogo have a have a, a ritual. They do a celebration, a, a whole elaborate migration thing. They do walking around in in the hills there of Mali. The, the, every sixty years, 
based on the configuration of the stars. Can you believe that? It's just amazing that, <laughs> that knowledge going back thousands of years. Thousands of, thousands of years, yeah. yes. What do you think about the um, State Department's comments now about the uh, uh, UFOs? <laughs> because I, so much of that we heard about, you yeah. know, from different uh, countries about, <laughs> about that, the history going back that back further, you yeah. know, and people coming in from the from the sky and different, and that was just no surprise to me, just from from being in Africa, where I had, I had heard different stories, uh, or different comments. Uh, but uh, unless you've had those experiences that we've had, uh, all your information came came from Europe. Yeah, in terms of what was history, you know, where history was. And unfortunately, now it's still, that's still where most of it's coming from, you know. Um, my, two, my two kids, I know, because they spent time in, in, in East Africa, uh -huh. uh, spoke uh, Swahili and Whoa. a couple of other languages. And so for them, uh, they had a problem when they came back to the States because when they went to the schools in the States, so much of the information they already knew, you know, uh, and just the comments that they would make sometimes, the teachers were, you know, were putting them down because, you know, they were, you know, where did you get this? Well, chief sewing so-and-so or such a people who they were working with told me such and such, and, and I was initiated into da-da-da-da-da, uh -huh. and uh, they really didn't, <laughs> you know, so they just basically had to back off and just not talk to to them, you know, and and uh, it, it's 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 still an issue, you know. I, I I got I still have some some people I'm in touch with with some of the organizations like the Urban League and and SNCC and some of these other groups. And if you don't mind, I want to give them contact information for you. No problem. Should, you, should, should I? Should I? Family uh, board. Yeah. Should I get in touch with? Have you get in touch with yeah, them? My, my website, AfricanFamily.org. They can contact me on the contact page. Okay, I'll do that. Friends, friends at AfricanFamily.org is our email. Okay. Friends at AfricanFamily.org. I'll mention it at the end of the podcast as well. Okay. Uh, what you should know is that I did a survey. When, when, when I came back from home leave, you know, when you do two years of Peace Corps service, they give you a round-trip ticket to go home yeah. and visit with your family. And I did that, but I used that time to contact five archives in the United States, four universities uh, and, and that had ethnomusicology or ethnomusicology archives uh, and the Library of Congress. Back then it was called the Archive of Folk Song. There's so much misinformation and, and disrespect towards Africa that's gone on over the years. And I think you and I are working to enlighten people and share some of the really beautiful knowledge that needs to be shared. And so what I did is I did this survey. When, you, when I came back from, Afri from the States, that short visit with my family, my, my parents, and my siblings, and then, and then did that, found out about these other archives. And I knew about the one at the University of Washington because I'd studied African music there. And I was the only Peace Corps trainee of all the trainees 
before we went to Africa, we were 70 trainees going to three different African countries. And not one of them had studied African music. I was the only one. I would do this. I would listen. Mm -hmm. And I did a trip with Jonathan, Jono, he goes by Jono Campaign. And his wife back then was Tina. Tina, yes. They were living in Tencorigo. And I was uh, invited by John and Tina to go on a trip with them around West Africa. So I said, sure. We left Lome, went through Benin and uh, Lagos up to Ibadan. We spent, uh, spent some time in Ibadan, then up to Oshogbo, then up to Kano, Zaria, Kaduna, and up to Zander, and then across to Niamey along the river, the Niger River, up to Mali. We were trying to get to Timbuktu and then come back down to Burkina. After we crossed on a barge with our, our, our vehicle, we went through the desert. We almost met our creator in that, in that desert because we got stuck in the sand at night. And we ended up camping next to the vehicle and trying to stay warm. It was January. It was freezing in the desert. Sarah Desert in Je- December and January, it's you cool. can see frost. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> and thank God we'd, we'd bought some blankets at the market in Niamey. And Jono found some, some branches from, we found branches of decayed thorn bushes that had died. So we broke those off and lit a fire and we tried to stay warm all night around the fire and these blankets. And in the next morning we woke up and we real, Jono realized that the sand was harder in the morning. There was a slight condensation of the, the moisture uh, from the air onto the sand and we were able to get the car and turn it around. And Tina drove and John and I pushed the, the little vo- Volkswagen bug <laughs> beetle. We went back the, w- the way we came, back to the barge, crossed yeah. back over the, the Niger River and went back, <laughs> back to the PMA. And uh, if you look on the map, uh, the Michelin map at the time, that whole a good section of that road going to Timbuktu is, is marked in red, red lines. That means you have to have four wheel drive. Uh, okay. Yeah. We didn't know that. We were lucky. We didn't. We didn't. We got out of there. But that was a, a funny story. But uh, but on that trip, everywhere we went, I would listen, and almost every time, where every town we got to, village or city, including the Kano Market, which is the biggest market in the interior of Africa. Did you know that? Yeah, I did know that. Yeah. Huge. Oh, incredible. So I almost got lost there, but I found some musicians there and just hung out with the music. Everywhere I went, I would just hang out with what's, what was happening musically or dance or both and just listen. And sometimes I'd be invited in to dance. And hey, I was young and full of energy and in my 20s, early 20s, and I, I participated. That's the way I found Africa. That was my connection was through the music and the people being so open, so accommodating, so welcoming. In Morda, they say Ibiala, Ibialiasa, which is welcome, welcome again. They don't say welcome one time, they say it twice. In Hausa, they say Sanu, 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 Sanu Kare. 
And in Jula, they say, Idanse. Idanse. So you're welcome. And, and that spirit stuck with me. And I started having dreams, daydreams and night dreams about being with musicians in, in Africa. And I had these friends that I'd made in Ouagadougou, the Kone brothers, my first year there, Bakari and Dugutigi and Jerry. And I, we filmed, we did a podcast with uh, Dugutigi's first daughter, Manju, yesterday. Phenomenal. Just wonderful podcast. And so I was thinking of, you know, I'd become quite opposed to, the, to what was going on the other side of the planet in Vietnam. And I was listening to radio in, um, about the, the war and about the protests going on all over the world. You could hear it in Chinese radio, you know, Soviet radio. The Voice of America didn't talk much about the war, but we were learning what was going on through different radio and, and then African radio as well. And uh, there was a, a big radio station out of Gabon that you could pick up all over Africa. So I had become really dis disillusioned and was thinking of maybe even dropping out of American culture and just staying in Africa. I got back to Ouagadougou and I, I thought of, I should do something that would be helping, helping the, the people of Burkina. So I decided to propose a, a project to create this project to document the music and oral traditions. And then it grew into a music and dance and oral traditions. And then it became film as well. So that's how, that was the, the way I got started. When I came back in 69 from that home leave I mentioned before, is you met me at the airport. Do you remember that? I remember that, yep. And I was so delighted. <laughs> you, were, you had a grin from ear to ear. And I, <laughs> I matched that. <laughs> and, yeah, I remember that. And I was just so happy to be back in Africa. And that was, that was the beginning of the project. In 1970, I was all over Burkina traveling, doing recordings and photography, black and white stills and, and slides. And you mentioned that we need to get this out. Well, guess what? That's what this podcast is about. And we, we already, through this, I've started a nonprofit back in 91. It's called African Family Film Foundation. It's AfricanFamily.org. It's an all-volunteer nonprofit 501c3 dedicated to raising people's consciousness about Africa in a positive light, engaging, enlightening, hopefully inspiring people to have a wonderful attitude about what's going on with the history of Africa and what's going on in the present and hopefully in the future. So I was just fired up. That was my 20s, from 22 to, to 30. Eight years I was in the Peace Corps. When I came out, they told me, you got the record for years of service in one country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did know that. Mm -hmm. Peace Corps director told me, that was John Reddy. John Reddy, yeah. You got the record because they changed the rules in trying to inspire the, the American governments, the federal, the Congress, the House and the Senate and the state and county and city governments to, to institute term limits 
because there was so much corruption from people staying in office and becoming, you know, purchasable, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what goes on. Not everybody. There are people who fight that and stay honest, but a lot of them take the money and shut up when it comes to controversial subjects Mm -hmm. or things that they should be talking about. They don't. Right. So, you know, we had, we had problems with that when I was in, um, in Swaziland because of South Africa. (laughs) Wow. And uh, we were, we we were, we had volunteers who were, who were teaching every week, every day. And at weekends, some of them would take off and go to South Africa, but the people they were teaching with couldn't go. (laughs) And we thought that this was not something that should, should be happening. But uh, we got, I remember getting a letter from uh, Senator Helm saying um, we couldn't have workshops about South Africa. <laughs> really? Yes, Senator Helm himself. And so we had to go around that and Jack Healy and a couple of others. Uh, so the First Amendment didn't apply? <sighs> nope. As far as, he, as far as Helm was concerned, no. <laughs> you know, he just... And uh, so we, we, I did it anyway. You know, we we had people anyway telling the volunteers to come Thank on. You. I just, you know, you know. So, um, and uh, but I also at the time was, became very close friends of um, Mandela, Mandela's wife and her family. So I was still going back and forth to uh, activities in South Africa. I did a couple of workshops in Zaire for the. Uh, um, African National Congress military <laughs> based on experience I've had with civil rights and in the States, you know, so I was working with, with some of the ANC people, African National Congress people in South Africa when I was Peace Corps director there. <laughs> but um, so when I came back, I went back with, uh, with uh, and I, some of you, I think I'd mentioned that um, those of you, those who go, who know the, uh, the history, the Black Museum in Washington D.C. Uh, there's a African American Museum. Yeah, and uh, there's a section in there, the civil rights section. There's a photograph of Stokely Carmichael, Angela Davis, and myself. Wow! <laughs> <the> new picture. <laughs> wow. And, uh, I must say wow, because you know wow, it's an African word? <laughs> no, I didn't know that. Wow. Have you ever listened to the Wolof? Yeah, okay. I okay when the Wolof speak, they do their greetings and they say, Nagadef, yeah. Mangi Frey. Yeah. They're saying, welcome or, or hi, how are you? And then that's a response. Nagadef, Mangi Frey. Then they start saying, how's your family? How's it? And they're saying, wow. Well, wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> So well, that's that's, there's, that's no, there's no mystery there. <laughs> Who said wow in the Americas? You know, anyway, that's, the African Americans, the slaves back then, who were saying wow, wow, and yeah. that became world all of the world. People say wow now if they say wow in many languages, not just English. I didn't realize it's where just so where I tell people. From. I tell all Americans, everybody, in, in, when they're speaking English, I say, you know, you're speaking an African language already. Yeah. They say, really? I say, yeah. Say, wow. <laughs> they, say, they say, wow. I say, there you go. There you go. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> bad, bad, bad. Uh, 
So let's you go wait. into it. The influence of Africa on the planet. Planet. But see, that's the kind of thing that we should know. I wish there was a book, almost a book, and I don't there know are. of one. Is there one that you know that we'll find it? We'll find okay, it. Good. Yeah. yeah, that's something that I'm. I mean, you could have it in high schools and grade. I mean, just wherever. Yeah, and I wanted to mention. Uh, you right. you want to get our material out to the people. We are, we've done self-distribution since we our first film, Dero and, Dero and his talking musical bow of the series uh, okay, on, on yeah. the music and dance and oral traditions of, of Burkina. And that was in 1979. We got into the public libraries around the country and colleges. And we're now in 35 states in public libraries and colleges and universities and 14 countries, all self-distribution. And I wanna take this to all 198 countries on the planet. I wanna make it available, a digital, a digital uh, archive where people can tune in from all over the world into African culture. And one of my goals is to, did you know, you remember Marcel Poussy? The yeah. director of the of the National Research Center in Ouagadougou. Yeah. Wagga, yeah. Yeah, he passed, but he his dream, he told me his dream was to have an audiovisual archives that a brand new building built right there on the research center grounds. So I'm starting a campaign to raise the money to build a brand new audiovisual archives on the grounds of the botanical gardens right there next to, that, that surrounds the, the National Research Center in Ouagadougou. Wouldn't that be great? Be and name it, I would propose that they name it the Marcel Poussy Audiovisual Archive because that was his idea. And he was a wonderful, he was the first African director of the National Research Center before they'd all been French. Have you seen the last Miles Davis film? No, I haven't. I'd love to see that. You got to see it. I'm in it. You're in it. Yes. Cool. <laughs> it's Wonderful. called Miles Davis' Birth of the Cool. Miles, Miles Davis' Birth, Birth of the, of the cool? cool. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, it's uh, It's been out of what, a year or so now. And, uh, uh -huh. and uh, I've been in it a couple of times. Just talking about the family. I knew the Miles and the family and stuff, so. And it's kind of talking about the, you kind of, kind of like what we're doing now. Do you, you ever see any of the music that uh, Eli New, Newberger and I were playing in Wagga? There's film footage of that or photographs? I don't know. That's what I can't remember oh. whether or not. Yeah. I know we, we know we played there sometimes on weekends. Eli played the you know, piano and I played the uh, drums a little bit. And we played on a couple oh. of nightclubs. Weekends in Wagga. In Wagga Dugu. Uh, in the 60s in the 60s <laughs> wow yeah we we had a special some special people there at that time i think you know could you mention were, what happened with the, the the that picture of you the picture of you and stokely mark carmichael and angela davis yeah you were involved in the co-founding of can you talk about that yeah well at the time people forget that um King was really focusing in, in the Urban League and Martin Luther Logan. King Jr. Yeah, Martin Luther King. They were focusing more on the what the older people, the ministers, and that group. 
And some of us who were a bit younger felt that we should start organizing on the grassroots basis and move up. And so with the, and with the Black Power Movement, people, people often look at it as, as kind of a violent thing. And we were more focusing on let's organize on the young people on the grassroots level, da da da. And uh, so, uh, and we also were not all of that interested in being nonviolent. <laughs> you know, we weren't going to start anything, but if we were attacked, so uh, a group of us um, began to look at uh, at King and them say, hey, can we? Part, probably, I think people forget when when Martin Luther King began to move north. He wasn't getting a lot of the same publicity as he did when he was in the South. And so some of us would just be, begin to think that the whole story isn't about being nonviolent. It's about can we organize organize on the grassroots level and move up? And uh, so uh, Stokely Carmichael and Angela Davis, and a lot of us were, were beginning to get harassed by the authorities in the North and even in the South. So we began to organize the, what people began to call, we didn't organize, we didn't call it the Black Power Movement. You know, the establishment began to call it the Black Power Movement. You know, we, were, we, we, we thought of it more as, as SNCC, Sternmile, and North, North Reading, SNCC, SNCC. And- um, Student, student, um, student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. Yes. Uh, student Nonviolent yeah. Coordinating Committee. Committee, yes, exactly. But um, so a lot of the uh, 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 people like Stu like Stokely and Angela Davis and up when that were really a part of that movement. And so the uh, in the Civil Rights uh, Museum in D.C., which is really a part of the Smithsonian now, um, there is a whole civil rights section, and in it, uh, uh, later was visiting in there and saw. Stokely, Angela Davis, and myself, and she came back and, with a picture and told me about it. And uh, so I still haven't seen it, but I've heard enough people who've seen it and told me about it. But uh, again, at that time, we were just trying to organize on the grassroots level with the students and try to keep them involved, which I think is what some of the people now, because we were also broadening. It wasn't just, it wasn't just seeing it as a, as a as, as something special for the black people. We saw this as something that should be special for all people. You know, that's the reason we were, we were dealing with people in, let's have demonstrations in Africa, in Europe, you know, and just around the world because we were trying to change the system. And we, and we also were, were kind of thinking, I guess what some people call a, a socialistic viewpoint, but we saw it more as, a, as being concerned as to whether or not uh, you could, uh, under, under a capitalistic system, you could really have a, a, a equal uh, human system. And uh, so we had some, so, so, so some of the authorities that followed us around and, and uh, some of the people with the CIA and FBI that followed us around um, didn't really understand what it is that we were doing. You know, it was a human rights uh, focus. Yeah. And even Malcolm X came to that, to that same that conclusion. Position too. He was yeah. 
late in, in, in his, his work, he was really trying to bring people together all over. Well, I talked, I talked to Malcolm. Africa and Africa. He, he had a, an amazing experience in Africa, right? Oh yeah. When he, I talked to him about a week before he died, before he was really? killed. And he, because he had just, he'd been back from, uh, you know, from, from Africa and, uh, he had been to some of the, um, he talked to some of the leaders and he was also telling people that he saw in his religion, people of all different colors, you know, and uh, when he went to uh, Northern Africa places and, uh, and so, but this was something that was uh, negative as far as uh, Elijah Muhammad was concerned, you know, and uh, his finances and a lot of other things, but I had warned him about what, what kind of what was coming from, you know, from what I was hearing. And he just didn't believe it. He did not believe it, that, that that could happen. Wow. So yeah, I knew him. In fact, I knew him when I was in Chicago with the African-American Heritage Association. Uh, my vice about, president. You're talking about Malcolm. Yeah. I knew him oh, way back then, about 19. 6061, we, we go back that far. His, his president of the Black Muslim School at the time was my vice president of the organization. So I knew Malcolm and that, that whole group back then. Back then. So I wasn't, I wasn't a part of it, but it was uh, you know, part of the establishment at that time, part of the Black groups who were dealing with the system at that time. Wow. Fantastic! Wow. Do you want to talk more about the uh, the movement today? You you had mentioned earlier before we got on this podcast that you were concerned about the young people in in America are not yeah. really uh, understanding the big picture a lot time a lot of That's time. what bothers me. It's still I'm not seeing um, the young people, uh, the young quote leaders. Uh, with the kind of knowledge that some of us at that time were aging, who were aged in their twenties, were having about Africa and African history, we knew quite a bit. You know, we knew we were in contact with the president of Ghana and all of these heads, heads of state in Africa at that time. And I don't see that contact now. I don't see them with the knowledge that you would, that you have. Um, and it's, it's almost as if they're kind of dealing with, uh, with a, almost a problem-related activity. What's going on with the, with, with the police in this way and nothing else, you know? Just maybe three or four things, but not in terms of the system. For example, I'm sure this would be no surprise to you. I remember, I remember sitting in Ghana in, in, when I was in Kenya, looking out the window and seeing some people a guy, a fellow running and somebody attacking him. And to my surprise, the fellow had grabbed something in the garden, but he was being attacked by the people. <laughs> you know, the police, they weren't afraid of the police. The whole community was attacking this guy for stealing something. <laughs> wow. You know, I mean, come on, you know, that's, you know, so most places in, in Africa, you just don't do stuff like, you're not stealing from your family. Yeah. You know, it's not that same kind of a way. And, but people don't think of that 
now when, when, when we're dealing with the police. You know, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not, it doesn't have the African historical background, which should be a background period, you know, uh, of, of history, of life. You know, so I'm not seeing that. So it, it kind of bothers me. As a result, I'm not seeing leader, the kind of leadership that we had in the late 20s and 30s, in which King, Martin Luther King, and, and just a number of people who we could think about now, historically, as arising. I couldn't name you one one person right now who I would think of as a as as a as a as a as a Malcolm X or Martin Luther King of the of a current movement. Uh -huh. You know, I'm not seeing this kind of uh, people who at that at that point who were in their late 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 twenties and thirties who are who were movement leaders. <laughs> You know, so it, it kind of bothers me that I'm not seeing that seeing that leadership, which to me should have the, the African kind of historical thing that you were talking about, but who are now seen as the leaders because of their knowledge, their leadership, and their mm -hmm. guts, you know, to take 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 on the system. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Burkina is a, is a special place in that it is the home of the many cultures, 70 languages, but it is the, the country that produced the youngest leader in, to lead any country in Africa, in the history of Africa, Thomas Isidore Sankara. Yeah, Sankara, yeah. 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 And he came to power and there was a coup and he came in to change things. It was a cultural, political uh, overthrow of corruption. And he decided to really turn things around. And I don't know, most people don't know this, but he, he never amassed any kind of wealth. And when he was assassinated, they did a, a collection for his, to help his, his wife and kids. There's no secret bank accounts in Switzerland or yeah. anywhere. Uh, but he stood up for the people and was the most amazing, charismatic uh, president, leader I've ever witnessed uh, in, in, in my life. And he's, he's honored today all the youth all over Africa, all over the world, yeah. especially in Africa, people honor him. And I, I know him. Yeah, the yeah, people I talk to, his name is always one that comes up. Yeah. And did you ever get to meet him? I did. Here in the States. He was here for something. And when right. I was in Washington, and you know, I met him just briefly. You know, the United Nations admitted, they declared that he had the best project for housing of any country that they'd ever come across mm -hmm. in the history of Africa. He was building a railroad to the north. Sankara saw the need for change. And he came in and instituted all these really amazing projects. He organized the people to get into health. All the workers in, 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 in the government every week on a Thursday had to stop work and go out and exercise for several hours. Wow. The last part of the day, that's what they would do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
He was for people growing gardens in the city, in their yard. Remember the, there were these gardens during World War II that- Yeah, oh States, yeah, I remember those. All over the United States in cities and towns, people were growing their own food. And why aren't we doing that today? It's nuts. The, the, the priorities are upside down for so many things. Yeah. And there's very small things people can do that are easy to do. They don't cost a lot of money. Sometimes they don't cost anything. They can, you can change your reality into health. One is like salt and vitamin C. They did a study in Nigeria of 5,000 kids, and they gave them salt and vitamin C every day. 5,000 kids got, got grade school kids, uh -huh. salt and vitamin C according to their weight. It was a gram of salt and a gram of vitamin C for every 10 pounds of body weight. If the child weighed 50 pounds, he'd get five grams a day of salt and five grams of vitamin C. And they had 5,000 control kids in a control mm -hmm. group. Yeah, yeah. And after one year, what happened was they, they did an analysis of the kids, uh, medical records, and they had records throughout the year of their, their, their visits to a hospital, to a dispensary. Uh, and the kids who had taken the salt and vitamin C, what percentage do you think they had compared to the kids that didn't take the salt and vitamin C? of health problems where they had to go to a dispensary or a hospital or get some kind of uh, medical treatment? Uh, quite a bit. I don't know. The ones that took the salt vitamin C, they had yeah. 1%, 1% of the sickness, the disease, the pneumonia, malaria, you name it. Hospital visits, doctor visits, nurse visits, whatever. 1% just by taking salt and vitamin C every day. Uh -huh. Wow. And that's what cured me of Lyme disease. Cheap. Mm. And it mm. works. I got back my health with salt and vitamin C protocol in Burkina and people using it all over the world. It's another thing made from salt and it's sodium chloride, NaClO2. Oh, yeah. And you, you mix that with citric acid or HCl 4%, but citric acid 50%, and you can make it into a powder and you can ship it as a powder. So you don't have to worry about weight or about something spilling on the way. And so we've, we've sent packets and people, villages, neighborhoods and cities, people have transformed their, their, their situations because it knocks out malaria in four hours to one day. Nothing, there's nothing on the plant they found that does that. And it's made from salt, okay? It's just adding two, two molecules of oxygen onto salt, NaClO2. And you activate it, you, have an act, you can activate it with lemon juice or lime juice or apple cider vinegar or even wine vinegar. So all you need is the powder of NaClO2 and, or, and you add water to it to make it a liquid. And then you just use drops and you, you add water to dilute it. And you're, you're, you're drinking or consuming only a a very weak solution, but it's the power of oxygen. It's like ozone. You know about ozone therapy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There were two doctors that went to Sierra Leone. You know about Ebola back about, uh, was it 2014, 15? Yeah. There was the Ebola disaster in those three countries, Sierra Leone, Guinea, 
and Liberia, those three countries. Yeah, and a couple and of Dr. doctors. Rowan, two doctors from the United States, Dr. Rowan and Dr. Robinson, went to Sierra Leone and brought, uh, I think, two or three machines, uh, ozone machines, and donated them to the country, to the, to the health service there. And they trained the medical people, the, the health work, care workers, doctors, and others in healthcare. They were there a couple months, and they taught a lot of people how to use it. The president of Sierra Leone went on national TV, national TV, and said, I don't have Ebola, but I'm going to show you what you can do. I'm going to do this in front of you. And he took the ozone therapy right there on, the, on TV, national TV, to show them that it's completely safe. Mm-hmm. I had in my chest, in my chest right about here, something that bothered me for 40 years. And I'd done x-rays. I'd been to many doctors. They never found anything. But it still bothered me. It was like somebody had was sticking me with a screwdriver, poking me. It was painful. It would come, come and go. And I had some ozone therapy done. F- 15 minutes. 15 minutes. And they, they run it through olive oil to take out the caustic part of the ozone. And it's completely benign. And f- even five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes is all you need. And they do put it through the ear or through the nose or the mouth. I did two treatments. That pain has been gone for 12 years now. Completely gone. Never had a problem with it again. Go figure. So that's the power of oxygen. So there, there are, I'm saying this because there, these are two very cheap. I mean, the machine costs something for the ozone, but they donated it. And then they just can do it. You can make ozone. You just make it with the machine. It makes it from oxygen. Practically everything known to humans can be knocked out with ozone. And with the, the other one I was talking about, the, with the water purification, you can use the NaClO2 to clean any water. You can take water out of a s- swamp that's contaminated and, and treat it with NaClO2 activated, and it becomes chlorine dioxide. And it, they're using it in municipalities all over the United States to purify the water because it doesn't, doesn't create other compounds. Which, which chlorine does. Did you know that? Yeah, I knew that. We, could, we got some people out here who are coming out from the federal government because it's just such a, and he's seen those all around this area, it's just sewage coming up from the oh. pipes and just, I mean, some of the worst you could think of, uh, that's just, uh, just on the edge, just flowing into the Mississippi River, you know, and it's just flowing straight in. And, uh, so they got some people out here now that are looking at it and trying to figure out just how they could. Some of this bursting into the pipes, into the actual homes of some of the poor, and some of the poorest people, you know. And, Let's continue, please. You also have an organization you're you're promoting, right? Well, the African American with the uh, in East East, East Louis- St. Louis Historical Historical Society. Yeah. Say again. East St. Louis Historical Society. The East St. Louis, Louis. Historical Society. Uh, yeah. Is there any contact? How, how people would get in touch well, with you? Look up on the um, East St. Louis Historical Society. It'll be, you'll, you'll historical see a list. Society on the internet. Okay. Yeah. And uh, basically what it is, uh, East St. Louis is, is unique. If I, for example, um, 
that's probably most cities of probably a million people would not have three first place Olympians, Jackie Joanna Kersey and a couple of others, her brother, and uh, a UN ambassador, Donald McHenry, uh, Miles Davis, some other, I mean, just a group of people like this, uh, uh, three heads, Cal University president of Cal State Los Angeles, just a number of people like this, all from East St. Louis, you know. Wow. And so we're just kind of documenting people that, and the population now is probably about 15,000. So with all of these, just a number of historical people um, that we're just now trying to document, and we come across more and more names of people who are from East St. Louis, the first female head of the National Bar Association is from East St. Louis. I mean, it's just a number of, a, a president of uh, AARP from East St. Louis. So wow. it's just a number of people like this that we're kind of uh, try, trying to document and uh, getting the word out of who these people are and kind of what they're doing and 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 coming across more and more people. And um, just a lot of research like this, you know, that local people don't even know who the first first presidents were, who the first, I mean, first East St. Louis people were in different categories. And so just this kind of research that you would have in the in your school system and that people want to look up where XX came from, they could they could see and get more history on them. So it's it's just that kind of a, that kind of a of a data. And we also found out too, I'd never heard of something called a POK, P-O-L-K directory. These were done around the country starting in the 1800s by the business community. And it's similar to a telephone directory. And so I was able to find uh, in East St. Louis, the, uh, these Polk directories starting 18, 1888, 1868, up until the 1960s. Wow. And uh, in it, you could look up your family. And it also has not an entire population, but every block in the city and who lived in that block. <laughs> wow. So you could look up who lived next door to you in the, in the 60s or when you were in school or who was down the street. And, and they're called P-O-L-K directories. And most cities, I think, would have one. But I, didn't, I don't think most people know about them. Cool. Really cool, man. So anyway, I does East some St. of those. Louis Historical Society. St. Louis Historical Society. East St. Louis. East St. Louis. Yeah. East St. Louis. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and for us, it's the AfricanFamily.org. Uh, and we, we have a, a donate page. We're looking for help to get this next film out. It's called Zamzam, about uh -huh. a famous dancer. He was the most renowned dancer in the Mose Empire in the late 20th century. And we filmed him dancing a, a number of events. Um, and then we filmed him with his family at home and community helping him hoe his fields and rhythm to drums and chanting and singing. Uh, and his children participating. And he has, we have on film him teaching his five-year-old son herbal medicine. And we, we went out with Zamzam into the wild where he harvests from nature grasses leaves branches of trees and bark of trees and brings them back home to where his children help him 
converted into uh, powders and and poultices and 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 medicine. And he's healed so many people in his community. And when he's teaching his five-year-old son, we have amazing part of the film is about the, 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 the little boy learning from his dad. And you see right on camera, the transfer of knowledge from father to son. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I focus on in all these feature films that are coming out. We really focus on the kids, the children, and how they learn what they learn from their parents and the elders in the community and their siblings who are older than them. That's, that's critical. Yeah. Absolutely so, critical. And the kids are, are I, I just love filming the elders, mm -hmm. so much wisdom. And we've got some of these elders speaking like Rao Ramre, who was the inspiration for Zamzam to dance, the Wataba. Because when, when we arrived in 67, they had a harvest celebration in Kupela, and Zamzam came and danced there, but it was also Raul. He was an older guy back then. He was probably in his 60s, and he was dancing. And then in, his, in, in the 80s, we did an amazing interview with him, and that's in the film. And mm -hmm. we've got him performing with this older, other older guy named um, Mole Nongaribo. That's his nickname, Mole Nongaribo Etienne Karanga who was a leper, who a famous singer of the, of the region, of all the Kuritenga region, the southeast of Burkina Faso, one of the most famous singers, along with Raul. And they were sitting next to each other chanting at the funeral celebration for the uncle of Raymond Balama, who was the villager who volunteered with me, help us, the villagers, in, in 12 villages put in brand new water wells made by hand with cement and re-rod from the American people. That was the well digging project. It was a gift to the people of Africa, the, mm -hmm. the re-rod and the, and, and, the and the cement and the villagers, the, men, the children and the women mostly would go out and get the sand and the rocks to mix with the cement. And the, and the men and the young men and, and uh, men of 30, 40, 50 years of age would dig the, dig the holes the, the wells all, all the way to water. And then we'd pour the concrete cylinders and come up. But this is in a country where water is, you have to walk a mile, half a mile. One village, they were walking 17, women were walking 17 miles to get water. Wow, yeah. Yeah, so. I remember that. I want to thank you. And- uh, My pleasure. Thank uh, Edna for setting up this wonderful rap we're having back and forth about Africa and America and how things are happening. And hopefully we can make an impact on enlightening people about some things they can do in supporting good causes like the East St. Louis Historical Society, right? Okay. And AfricanFamily.org. Yeah. So all my best, Reg and Let's do a, uh, this is part one, and I hope we can do another part where you can talk some more about some issues that you want to bring up. Okay. And some historical notes as well. All right? Okay. Okay, Tali. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Barka, barka. Wana kausa yama. May the great spirit bless you. May the great spirit bring peace.